Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show with the host that was once voted sexiest man alive. Oops, sorry, wrong show. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the recording studio built here in my office, just outside, my home office, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And reminder, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. On uh, this week's episode in Pipe Parts, we have an Ask the uh, Tobacco Blender with Jeremy Reeves. And then my guest is uh, Murray Rose, and Murray is the grandfather of Nate Rose. And uh, Murray uh, started was a diehard, dedicated Brigham pipe smoker for many years. Uh, took time off from pipe smoking, and then under the influence of his... Um, evil and uh, nefarious uh, grandson Nate has come back to pipe smoking so we get to chat with Murray uh, and, and, hear, and hear all about that and then we have uh, music mailbag and rant all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show uh, did see pictures saw some pictures on uh, Facebook and Instagram of the St. Louis Pipe Show looks like it was a lot of fun for everybody and remember, a couple of other pipe shows coming up. The uh, Chicago Pipe Show is uh, coming up in May. It is the uh, 27th, 28th, 29th of May. So that's in the new location, north side of Chicago at a Marriott Resort. Uh, I am looking forward to that greatly. And I will be there. And you can come and see me there. Uh, and it's also a different time of the week, a different time of the year. So don't forget about that. And then the, uh, Mule Town Pipe Show in, uh, <laughs> South Central Tennessee hosted by Briar, by, uh, Briar Works as, uh, March 18th. I will not be at that one, but I know it'll be a good time. And not only will there, will there be new pipes, there will be estate pipes there. So make sure get yourself to a pipe show. All right. All right. Let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors, to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. We 
we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for another edition of Ask the Blender is the head blender. God, I love that title. Um, the head blender of Cornell and Deal, Jeremy Reeves. Jeremy, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Brian. Happy to be here. Yeah, you're either happy or crazy, but either one, probably both. <laughs> Yeah, probably both. I'm going to go with both. Yeah, you're in the pipe tobacco business, so that pretty much goes along with it. All right, so this one comes in from Brian Wilson. And uh, Brian, if you are the Beach Boys, Brian, I want to meet you. Um, <laughs> and he says, uh, I, like many of us, was a diehard McClellan smoker. My regular blend was their Samovar. I know many of us have struggled to find replacements for those qualities that seem to only come from McClellan's techniques. I'm wondering if Jeremy might offer his view on which blends made by him or otherwise come closest to the McClellan feel. Thanks, Brian Wilson, and I'm hoping he's giving us good vibrations. Uh, <laughs> Here, I, so I'm going to couch this with saying, first of all, I really don't like this question, but Jeremy, what's your answer? Well, um, right off the top of my head, I, I would like to point out the, the point that the, the questioner actually made of saying that McClelland had quality is about their tobacco that you can't find anywhere else that is an indication that it is not simply a matter of changing tobaccos since we're all buying tobaccos all of us manufacturers are buying tobaccos from basically the same small group of places and i can i can say that uh i know for a fact in two different instances of the very same lot of tobacco that we use in some things were also tobacco lots that Mike and Mary had purchased quantities of. And so literally we're using the exact same tobaccos, but what we're getting flavor wise out of them is different because our techniques and our processes are different. So questioner, you're absolutely on the right track in recognizing that the things they did, not the tobacco they were using, have everything in the world to do with how their blends tasted and why nobody else can replicate those things because we all do things differently as manufacturers, partly because of institutional approaches to things and partly to actually achieve a different outcome than our competitor so that we can distinguish our products. Yep. Do you know how many, I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story right here. Are you ready for this? Sure. Uh, I worked for the Peter Stokeby company for five and a half, six years. And do you know how many times we tried to come out with a tobacco that was just like Lane's BCA? Exactly none. Uh, we tried to come out with 16 different versions of it in the six years. Oh, really? this is, this is, a, this is just like BCA. We got the, yeah. 
Oh, this will be, you know, if your customers like 1Q, they'll love this because this is exactly like the old recipe or this and that. I was, You know what? <laughs> I was so tired of it. At one point, I had a catalog that had 21 different basic tobaccos that were black vanillas, and I had to describe the black vanillas all slightly differently. Um, so, yeah, you know, you... Uh, all right, BCA and 1Q are the two biggest and probably still are the two biggest bulk selling tobacco bulk tobaccos selling in the world. Uh, and we were trying to replicate them or come up with an option for them. And we couldn't because we didn't own the Lane factory in Georgia. We didn't know their secret processes. We didn't do everything exactly the same way they did. So, of course, they were different. So, anyway, right. I, I rant. <sighs> I feel better now. <laughs> I hope everybody else does. Uh, right. But <laughs> Yeah, you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right. Um now that said, if if a tangier Virginia is what you're looking for, I would point you to checking out Manhattan Afternoon. I would point you to checking out uh Interlude. Uh I would point you to checking out Opening Night um or Union Square. Uh, those are those are really classic examples of the way that we approach Virginia tobacco. We don't use um, we don't use much, if anything, in terms of casing or flavoring uh, on those blends. Like Interlude, there is a small amount of honey that is used in a casing. Uh, I can tell you that it is much less processing than what most manufacturers do to a blend. Uh, and in the case of opening night, Union Square, uh, Sunday Picnic, Red Carpet, these are examples of blends that are Virginia or Virginia Perique blends in which there is no flavor additive whatsoever. There's no casing. There's no topping. That is that is what tobacco tastes like. So I would I would suggest those blends to you. Um, speakeasy would be another one. Um, but as far as, as our, our flavor profiles matching, um, something that you were previously getting from McClelland, we, we don't have those, um, we don't make matches, uh, and, and we don't, we're not trying to replicate what McClelland was doing because we could try all day and not, not succeed because we're not them. Could you send a could you send a tanker truck to Kansas City and get a tanker truck full of Kansas City water? And... <laughs> well, that is something that we could do. I mean, I can tell you that we bought some tobacco from McClelland when they closed. Yeah, uh, and then the other, and even still, we have we have never once been like, man, you know, this tastes just like McClelland because we're using the same tobacco that they were, but we're doing different things with. And the other issue with Samovar in particular is it's got some Syrian Latakia in it. And I, last time I checked, Syria is still not producing any tobacco. Yeah, that's correct. So, so you've got those issues. Um, the, the description of Samovar that I'm looking at calls it a coarse cut. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you guys do anything in a in a realm of a coarse cut? Because it might be the cut that's also part of the feel that he's looking for. We do. So what we would what we would uh, consider a coarse cut is like what I use uh, for Derringer, where we basically process the tobacco like like we would a flake, 
but then when it is being cut, as the flakes are coming down the trough, we're actually kind of tussling the tobacco a little bit. Think like the action of like scruffing a child's hair. <laughs> and uh, and so what you end up with is kind of this this chunky, compressed uh, ribbons of tobacco where you've got several layers of tobacco that are kind of compressed together, but it's not a full flake. It's a, it's, it's, it's a chunkier, thicker kind of cut kind of texture. And that's going to give you a slower burn, which is going to help kind of suss out slowly uh, the sweetness of, of the leaf and the flavor that's there. Um, and so, yeah, I would recommend maybe checking out Derringer. Cause I, I, you know, I know that the cut, can also uh, uh, you know deeply impact how the tobacco feels in your hand and how it packs in your pipe and thus change the way it smokes as well absolutely uh do you have any news for us on yeah you know, on the latakia world it, i i understand there might have been a glitch about a year or so ago where it was in danger and now it seems to be readily back available um, well, a couple of things have happened. Um, one is that for a long, long time, basically, uh, basically there has been a single source for Latakia. Um, and, and whether you were buying it in, in tins that were made by Orlick or tins that were made by McBaron or tins that were made by us or Sutliff or whoever, the Latakia in those, in those blends was all coming from one particular source. In the last couple of years, there has been another source that has emerged. And, uh, and so that has basically slowly uh, made more Latakia available on the market for manufacturers to be able to purchase. And that has helped a great deal to have a couple of different places that we can all be going to, to get the sources that we need for that, that tobacco, because it's very labor intensive to produce. Um, it's very expensive as a finished product, but that money is not going to the farmer. Um, and so from the farmer's perspective, it's an awful lot of work for not very much money that then a broker is coming in kind of the middle of and making an arm and a leg on someone else's labor. Um, and this is a classic, this is a classic issue in lots of different kinds of manufacturing. Um, I'm not describing anything that, that is earth shattering, but it is important to note that Latakia, unlike all your red Virginia, bright Virginia, oriental, um, even even Perique and Dark Fired and Burley, they have a mass market product that utilizes them. All of those products get used in cigarettes and get used in snuff and chewing tobacco. And those are products that are used at a much higher volume than pipe tobacco is. Latakia is really only used in pipe tobacco and it relies entirely on pipe tobacco to sustain it. And we are just not a very large niche. Yeah, and I'm not helping any because I'm not smoking any Latakia. So, uh, right. But it's nice to nice to know that you got two sources, so at least they can compete on quality a little bit. And that's correct. We've been able away. to get better quality out of this, and we've been able to get more consistency because now instead of 
uh, you know, it, it sounds counterintuitive that you would be able to get more consistency with more options. But it's like uh, if you buy a bottle of Johnny Walker Black today and you buy a bottle of Johnny Walker Black 20 years from now and you buy a bottle of Johnny Walker Black from 20 years ago, you've got the same product because that blended scotch is a recipe of a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this. And you can adjust those things to get your flavor profile and your color and your and your complexity and your aroma correct that you just can't do with a single molting. Yeah. So once again, if you find a batch of a particular tobacco that you absolutely love, buy as much of it as you can afford at that time because from year to year, things can change. That's right. That's right. Jeremy, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for for putting up with my rant too. (laughs) Happy to do it anytime, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then, we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us from Canada is a uh, a lifelong pipe smoker and a uh, and I and I got introduced to you through your uh, through your grandson who's been on the show before. But Murray Rose, welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Well, thank you very much. So so let's get to know you. Um, where where did you grow up, and when did you start smoking a pipe? Oh, uh, I grew up in. Uh, the town of Essex, Essex, Ontario. Canadian from the beginning, right? Yep. yep. I'm still in the same area yet. <laughs> and and what year was it that you started smoking a pipe? Well, uh, about 60 years ago, I guess. I went off for three years or more than that. Or, uh, and then my little buddy there uh, they kind of uh, hung me up one day and said, uh, you uh, still smoking? I said, uh, no. I said, I haven't smoked for 30 years. But so I said, here's a, here's a pipe for you. <laughs> <laughs> so he had, he had already had a pipe pre-made for me. So at the... Uh, made it kind of nice, and I think I've had two or three since then. But, uh, I uh, I had uh, 
when, uh, when he asked me, I had uh, 20, 20 Brigham pipes at home. Wow. And uh, I, I told Nate, I said, are you interested? And he says, yeah. He said, hey, bring them? Yep. So, so uh, that's how I got started again. <laughs> Nathan, uh, talking me into it and that. So it's, uh, I, I haven't, uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I enjoy it. I don't know. I just, I forget what I had problems maybe years ago, and that uh, uh, everything seems fine now. So I'm uh, back at it. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm. I, I don't. Uh, not as strong uh, a smoker as I used to be. But, and uh, I go out. One, I get once a day. I go up in the, in the back here and uh, have a have a uh, smoke. So, how old were you when you started smoking a pipe the first time? Uh, how old was I when I started the first time? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's going back too far. <laughs> uh, no, it's got to be close. It's got to be close to sixty years. More than one of my wife just said. Yeah. <laughs> I just got shut down. <laughs> but, uh, no, she said this probably 60 years. More than 60. Wow. So you were, a, you were a young bachelor and you decided that you were going to start smoking a pipe. Yep. Yeah, I don't even know how I got started with it. Uh, so was it... Uh, so. The, the first time around, I'm guessing pipe smoking was an every day and all day kind of thing for you. Yeah, well, I <laughs> they used to get after me at work because I used to uh, have uh, my pipe, uh, the little cigars, little cigars. Yeah. And what else? There's one other thing. Oh yeah, my regular cigarettes. <laughs> I had the uh, the wife had to buy me uh, shirts that had at least, at least two pockets in them because I was I had four four different kinds of uh, smokes with me when I, I left for work. <laughs> so, so you 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 wouldn't leave for work unless you had your pipe, your your cigars, and some cigarettes with you. <laughs> but, uh, I used to do all of my. Like I worked on a, on a uh, job that I could smoke on. I worked at Chrysler's for uh, we uh, we were allowed to smoke and everything on the line. So I just I used to just switch you know, have one of the, one of one kind, one of another kind, and uh, was it uh, was it always Brigham pipes for you? Pretty well, yeah, yeah. It was pretty well. Uh, I think I think the whole twenty I give me were were uh, yeah like I never bought like the first pipes I never bought them myself my 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 wife she always uh, used to go pick them up for me at Christmas time <laughs> we had a little store in Essex that uh, sold brilliant pipes so I said that's fine <laughs> and then I said I've been smoking them for a good many years. And did you did you smoke them with the little uh, with the maple filter thing in it, or did you take that out? No, I left it. I leave it in. I'm still using them. Yeah, I still 
take them out, clean them, and put them back in. Uh, so with, with your wife picking out your pipes for you, did she always pick out the same style of pipe, or did she pick out different colors different, and different shapes? Different styles. Used to pick out different styles and that. So I, had, uh, I, I got three or four uh, different styles in my, in my case today I got here. Well, I think I got two or three from uh, Nate as well. So. Yeah. Building up my, uh, <laughs> and, and with your wife picking out your pipes for you or your grandson making them for you, then every one of them must be absolutely perfect. Well, some of the ones I get from Nate, he, uh, you know, if he has a little fly, I'm going to say, hey, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't bother me any. <laughs> I can smoke them with a little chip in them or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, 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 so Nate's giving you stuff that he's not uh, not so sure he'd want to sell. Uh, but, but with so the, I've only got, I mean, I've only got two from him, so I haven't had you know. I, but, uh, so, what kind of when back in the old days? What what kind of tobaccos were you? Did you like what kind of tobaccos were you smoking? Green sale, uh, yeah. Well, green or yellow, either one. So, uh, I had an uncle that worked in Windsor, so he used to bring my tobacco home to me, like six 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 pouches at a time. That's <laughs> the uh, green sale. And I guess between the cigars and the cigarettes, a pouch of tobacco would last you uh, would last you a little bit of time. Yeah. Well, the cigars are only about oh maybe about three inches. Yeah. Two and a half. They were the the small. Well, they called them. I think they called them cigarettes back then, or something like that. But you always and you always stuck to uh, sale tobacco. You didn't try others or switch things up a little bit. No. No, I was happy with the sale, and I stayed with it. Yeah. I think that's something that was more common back then where, you know, you had your brand, and you knew what you liked, and and you stuck with it, where nowadays a lot of pipe smokers are trying different stuff and smoking something different every day. Yeah. Well, I've got, I think i got about six pouches of different tobacco here now, so I don't know what I'm going to get into when I start on <laughs> <laughs> Is Nate sending you or bringing you tobacco to try and saying, hey, try this, try this one, you'll like this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't like to change too much, but he's been, he's been keeping, keeping me pretty filled up with uh, tobacco, so I guess I can't complain. Yeah. Now, uh, Price is right. <laughs> the price if he's bringing it for you the price is great <laughs> yeah well uh, he mailed it to me this last one he mailed it to me i was surprised well it's winter time and you don't want to make the drive in the snow yeah <laughs> uh did you ever so did you try other tobaccos back in the old days and just oh, yeah. decide that sale was the oh, one back or? then yeah what i was smoking earlier uh-huh 
No, they they didn't have a much as much uh, variety as tobacco uh, back when I first started smoking. At the, compared to what they have have now, I mean, it's of course Nate's got a a different setup than what I have, so he he, he, can, he can do a lot more. Yep. All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, pipe smoking of the old days with uh, Murray Rose. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Murray Rose, grandfather of Nate Rose, who apparently Nate is a bad influence on his grandfather. So I'll, I'll have to talk to Nate about that. But, um, uh, yeah, that and him trying to, that and him trying to carry trees and do all those big dumb lifting things that he was doing. But, uh, so, so for a lot of my show listeners, the idea of you being able to take a pipe to work and smoke it while you're working is a whole different concept. Uh, oh yeah. Can you, can you just talk us through this? Cause you, you worked for, you worked in an automotive factory on the line and you could, you could light up and smoke while you were standing there. Yep. Yeah. I used to be, uh, I'd be part of what they call the department welder. And I did, I had a little, Boost about oh, six by eight, I guess. And uh, I used to uh, weld pieces into the stuff that I was uh, working on. That so uh, it was like as soon as I get a little break in the line or something, I I grab a pipe or a, a cigar and smoke it while they're getting things organized again. You you didn't use your welder to light the cigar or the pipe, did you? No. Okay, good. <laughs> no, this was just a, oh, God, I can't think of the name of it now, but it's just a, like a, a warrior. It's not a. Yeah. So what kind of, what kind of cars were they, were you making? Oh, Chrysler's Dodges. Okay. Were you. A little bit of, little bit of everything for Chrysler. And that would have, so that would have been when, and that would have been for manufacturing in can for sales in Canada and down south of the border as well, right? 
Uh, yeah. It got kind of rough there uh, just before I quit because they were kind of playing around with the, the stuff stateside and uh, over over here. I mean, we had... Uh, I, I enjoyed it, but I, my body went up on me, and I haven't, uh, haven't worked since. And that's uh, 30, 32 years, something like that, since I, since I worked. I mean, unfortunately. Yeah, it's not a, not an easy job doing that all day long, every day, over and over again. No, and it's the uh, what they call the uh, arc welder. Yeah, and it uh, it has a little claim at the end of the every time we put the, hit it with the the weld, and we get a little bit of a, a fire thing there that it to uh, seal up the part. We didn't. So how long? How many years were you on the line? Uh, twenty six. Wow. <laughs> So oh, it was uh, like it's uh, like Chrysler's at that time had three different uh, places like they're building in three different areas. Like oh, we just uh, I just uh, all I did was put a spot weld on the on the part and send it on its way. And down the line it went. Uh, yep. Could you, so I'm guessing if you could smoke while you were on the line, you could also smoke when you went to lunch and that was no problem. No problem. No, that was no problem. Near the end of the, when I was there, like I, I went out for four months early. So, but, uh, they were starting to make changes in because there's, too many guys that were lollygagging and that kind of stuff, so they wanted to get things up and make sure they're they're going. Although we're having a big, they're having a hard time right now with these. Uh, well, I can't think of the name of them now, but they're we keep running out of them all the time. Oh, all the little microchips. These little, yeah, but I can't think of the name of them. But when. Uh, uh, so, so going, I mean, going all the way back, uh, do you remember what made you interested in smoking at all when you were, I'm assuming you started as a, as a youngster, probably, uh, probably out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I used to start, I started, yeah, I started before, before high school, I think. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I tried to get the wife to smoke my little pipe when I was going to when we were going to school in Windsor. It, it didn't work too well. <laughs> yeah, a little one about oh, I about three or four inches long, little little stubby one. Do you remember when you when you started smoking cigarettes or a pipe? Do you remember how much a pack of cigarettes was or a pouch of tobacco cost? Oh, I don't. I don't think I paid over a dollar. <laughs> so, the prices have gone up a little bit since then, but yeah. Fortunately, I don't have to worry about that just yet. 
<laughs> as long as I can keep my grandson on the straight and narrow there. Well, good luck with that. <clears throat> uh, so... So the the other question that I've got to ask you is how long have you been married and what is the secret to being married for that long? Well, we've been married for 62 years. And what's uh, the what's the secret? Uh, we've had a, a good time all the way through. We laugh all the time and that and that we we have a good time with life and I mean it uh we just keep uh, taking along and, and it was what what comes. And and does she have to sometimes keep you on the on the straight and narrow? Uh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> She's laughing now. Yeah. <laughs> So, so we know where your grandson Nate may get that from. It's definitely from your side. Um, yeah, yeah. And then you had you had three boys, one of which is Nate's father. Uh, yeah. How many grandchildren? How many great grandchildren? What was it? You said nine grandchildren, no, eight, eight grandchildren, eight grandchildren. nine great grand, nine great grandchildren. Wow. That's amazing. And they're still coming yet because Nate's got more to get yet. He's got to have a couple more yet. He can't stop with one. <laughs> well, he's he's got he's got to figure out how that first one happened. Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure he knows exactly what happened, but <laughs> and now <laughs> and now Nate's working on the in the auto factory too. Is he in the same place where you were? No, I was at Chrysler's in Windsor, and he's in. Uh, oh, he, he's at Chevrolet. Yeah. Yeah, GM. Yeah, GM. Yeah. So he's working for the competition. Yep. Well, I don't know what I don't know what we're going to do with him, but you know, that's not my problem. It's yours. Yeah. I got to have a talk to him and see what's going on. Yeah. Actually, I think it's his wife's problem now. Um, I think, I think Nate is his wife's problem now. So she's got to keep him on the straight and narrow. So back, let's go back to when you were smoking a pipe the first time, uh, when you went on, uh, when you went on vacation or wherever you went, you took a pipe and tobacco with you and all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I never moved without that. <laughs> No, I had I had that in my pocket, and if we were going out for the night or something, I'd just maybe take one pouch of tobacco. But I mean, I no, I I like my tobacco, my smoke. And when you were with the pipe, if you were going out for a day or for a weekend, would you just take one pipe and some tobacco, and that's all you needed, or did you take multiple pipes and? No, I took usually took a couple uh, a couple of different pouches of tobacco with me, just for uh, just for variety. But did you have one or two pipes with you, or did you just uh, three or four? Because uh, some of us guys nowadays, usually a couple. Yeah, 
would you let them uh would you let the pipes kind of rest in between each smoke and and rotate them or would you just smoke one pipe one after the other oh no i i rotate them i've got a case that i've got about uh, i think it's eight eight pipes in there and i uh i wrote the uh, rotate the uh the whole the whole pile of them so and then who who taught you how to smoke a pipe when you first started a long a long long time I ago i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> i don't I have no idea how i got started but i i was only uh, i was probably 15 i think it's around 15 when i started so you just kind of figured out how to pack the bowl the right way and light it and yep. and off you went yep. uh, you, you didn't have anybody give you an explanation on how to do it or uh, tell you what to do or no i've never had any uh anybody uh tell me anything <laughs> <laughs> and and as a uh, as a 15 year old were you allowed to buy tobacco back then or were you buying or are yeah. you don't yeah we were allowed to buy it then yeah so, it wasn't too long after that maybe i don't know maybe 10 years they yeah they changed it but uh yeah, so we're we're talking in uh, the nineteen. I'm doing math, which is not my best. So we're talking about nineteen fifties. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Now, did you get a chance to travel the world at all, or and and go to some different countries and go to different pipe shops? Uh, no, I never have. I don't think we've traveled around. Uh, uh, odd spot but uh, so you're you're what i call the the classical pipe smoker and that you were you were very happy just to just to be home smoking your pipe or be at work smoking your pipe and uh and you worked all you worked all your life and raised a couple raised kids and you were just happy with your pipe and your cigars and your cigarettes Uh, did you, when your doctor told you to stop with the pipe, was that also when you stopped with the cigars and the cigarettes? Yeah. Yeah, I stopped everything when I stopped with the doctor. Then I started up again about, I don't know. Just when they started. <laughs> yeah, that bad, yeah. that bad influential grandson of yours. Uh, but at least now he's giving you pipes and giving you tobaccos, so you don't have to worry about going and buying them. No, <laughs> I just uh, I got. I think I got about just six. What did I have? What did I have six or seven pouches in the fridge? Yeah. I, I, I have to, he says the, the pile of them, and I got to put them in the fridge to keep try to keep them a little bit on the fresh side. <laughs> Has he, uh, did he also kind of, did you send him some of your old Brigham's for him to clean them up so you could smoke them again? Yeah, I sent him 20. Wow. And, and he did a good yeah, job with them? Yeah, he said he was doing that. So I, I said, okay, do you want some, do you want some pipes? And he said, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll have them. Somebody's on. So I told him they were Brigham. He got them, he took them in a hurry. <laughs> 
But I think he's still got some up on the wall yet. I don't think he's ever yeah. distributed them or did anything with the, all of them yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, he cleaned them, cleaned them all up, you know, after I sent them to him. And that, but, kid, he, I wish that him so much stuff this, <laughs> this last, last month. <laughs> but he, he'll take anything we can give him, so. <laughs> like, we moved into this place, and it's, uh, I mean, it's a nice place, but, I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot of room. So. <laughs> Did you ever think in all of your life that, Somewhere down the road, one of your grandchildren would be making pipes, and then you'd get a chance to sit and smoke a pipe with one of your grandchildren. No, not, not in the slightest. I never thought it would ever happen. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it when he told me he was making pipes. I said, "You, you what?" <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, he's doing a real good job now. Doing, uh, so. I mean, He's only been at it about six six years. Yeah, and uh, you know he's he's really really caught on quick. Yeah, he started with I don't even know who started him. I just one day uh, we happened to go down there one day and then he <laughs> got the pipes and stuff. <laughs> you know what? But he uh, he bought some new machinery now and he's. Uh, He's doing good. Yeah, he seems he seems to be having fun at it. He does keep some crazy hours though, but uh, uh, yeah, three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's up there at three o'clock. I, I, yeah, I don't understand these kids these days, but uh, uh, you know what can I say? I, I think Nate's the same age as my son, so I don't understand a lot of the stuff that they say, but. <laughs> But yeah, that, I think that would be great to be able to someday, somewhere down the road, be able to sit and have a sit and smoke a pipe with my own grandson, and that that yeah. had to be fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a nice feeling. Yeah. Well, Murray Rose, we will finish this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever you want to answer. So, are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? Well, uh, I think you, you know that answer, but you know, <laughs> it's a Brigham. Yep. And what is your a Brigham. And what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, yeah, yellow sail. Green sail, pardon me. And is that still your favorite? Yep. And what is your favorite drink? Just good old beer. Do you have a Do you have a favorite beer? Uh, yeah, Coors Light. There you go. That, that's a good American product. Now owned by the uh, by the Canadians, I believe. Um, yeah. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Oh no, not music. Country, well, country. I like the uh, I like country music. Yeah, the old the old country. <laughs> old country? Do you mean like uh, Patsy Cline, Johnny Cash? Yep. Uh, yeah, I was born and raised on that bunch. Yeah, 
So that 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 old Southern country music made it up to Canada. Yeah. And then the final question is: Is do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? And I and I'm gonna guess getting to smoke a pipe with your grandson, especially one that he made, would be a pretty good memory. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that would top any memory that I could come up with. And yeah, yeah, yeah he he still he calls me. Uh, well, he called me twice the you know, day before yesterday. I guess it was he, he, called, he called me twice. I never know he's, if he's going. Sometimes when he's leaving home, if he's if he's not at work, he has to go and pick up the. The great grandson, yeah. But uh, no, I uh, I really uh, can't complain with Nate. He's been a real good kid. So before we go, I got to ask you, uh, what is what does he call you, Papa? And and do you have a nickname for him besides Nate? Because nobody's listening, and I and I wouldn't want to embarrass anybody, especially Nate. If you had a no, really funny nickname, I don't know. I've never heard of anything. <laughs> nickname Nate. Yeah, we always called him. Uh, we call him Nate more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and as big as he is, I bet that's probably pretty nice. So we'll just call him Nate, and we won't get him angry at us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on and doing this, and thanks for sharing your stories. Uh, you're welcome. And we'll be back in just a minute. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years, and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And I am so envious of those days when you could just, you know, take your pipe wherever you were, smoke it wherever you wanted. Yeah, would have been good old days. All right. Also reminded, uh, you know, I don't think I've played Johnny Cash in a while. So this one is uh, Man in Black. And this is live from... uh, the uh, Johnny Cash TV show. A very personal thing, I suppose you might say, but it's the way I feel about a lot of things. This song is called The Man in Black. Well, you wonder why I always dress in black. Why you never see bright colors on my back. And why does my appearance Always have a somber tone Where there's a reason for the things that I have on 
I wear the black for the poor and the beaten down. Living in the hopeless, hungry side of town. And I wear it for the prisoner who has long paid for his crime, but still is there because he's a victim of the times. I wear the black for those who've never read or listened to the words that Jesus said about the road to happiness through love and charity. Why, you'd think he's talking straight to you and me. Well, we're doing mighty fine, I do suppose. In our streak of lightning cars and fancy clothes. But just so we're reminded of the ones who are held back up front, there ought to be a man in black. I wear it for the sick and lonely old. For the reckless ones whose bad trip left them cold. I wear the black in mourning for the lives that could have been. Each week we lose a hundred fine young men. And yes, I wear it for the thousands who have died. Believing that the Lord was on their side. And I wear it for another hundred thousand who have died. Believing that we all were on their side. Well, there's things that never will be right, I know. And things need changing everywhere you go. But till we start to make a move, to make a few things right, you'll never see me wear a suit of white. I'd love to wear a rainbow every day to tell the world that everything's okay. But maybe I can carry off a little darkness on my back Till things are brighter I'm the man in black The one and only man in black, Johnny Cash. Congratulations, Skippy. You've got mail. Mailbag comments and questions can be emailed directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at pipesmagazine.com or posted on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. Uh... And uh, I got to be honest with you, uh, thank you all. There has been a ton of uh, emails to me recently with some great ideas for guests and uh, other things. You know, the, all the ask, you know, the questions for Jeremy Reeves, questions for Jeff Grasick, topics you want perhaps uh, Rich Esserman and I to tackle, guest ideas, music ideas. Keep sending them. I love it. I love it. Been getting a lot of them. Um, a lot of your comments, I'm starting to uh, spread them out because there's going to be four or five shows coming up where we're going to have to way pre-record them. So I'm trying to trying to stretch them out, uh, make sure we have some mailbag stuff. And for those shows when, uh, you know, when I'm not able to <laughs> when we have to pre-record that far in advance, which I really don't like doing, but we got to. Uh, anyway, going back to uh, last week with uh, Ash from the Chaps Guide and Fred Hanna on, uh, Dino writes, not only was the segment with Ash delightful, but I'm eager for further explore explorations of his sartorial suggestions. 
Your conversation with Fred was once again insightful and thought-provoking. As to your seller, your, should your taste change, I have two words. Steve Fallon. Yeah, yeah, the boy, is, he's waiting, too. Uh, Dino also said music, as you indicated. What else can be said, but that's B.B. King. Amen. Thanks for another great show, Dino. You are welcome. And Casey Ghost says, uh, well done show last Tuesday night. Ash was an interesting guest. It seems that the English accent is just made for radio. The problem I am having with this segment is why? I mean, you can dress me in the finest English finery and I'd still look like a mutt. It's similar to the idea that no matter how many coats of lipstick you slap on that pig, it's still a pig. <laughs> yeah, well, some some people. Uh, and then he also said, uh, good conversation again between Fred and Brian. It's Saturday morning and I can't remember what was said, but it was entertaining. BB is the bomb. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. And I can tell you after talking to Fred, I don't remember what was said either. Um, and then this letter came in from a most honored show listener, and it's, uh, it's from, uh, Mrs. Spike and, uh, Mrs. Spike writes, Brian, I wanted to write to you because I enjoy your podcast and I wanted other women who are married to pipe smokers to know how warm and welcoming the pipe smoking community is. Although I'm married for 38 years to a pipe smoker and ardent practitioner of the hobby for 50 years, and I've been to the Chicago and Columbus shows occasionally, it's only the last few years that I've understood the hobby and the welcoming nature of the community. When I pondered why this was, I realized much of it was due to your show. We listen every week. The conversations are like sitting in, a coffee, sitting in a coffee shop over a glass of wine, getting to know a new acquaintance. You make me feel like I'm there and taking part in the conversation. Listening gave me the confidence to go to, the, to go to a show and strike up a conversation with anyone. Then I wore my Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers pin. The Richmond guys made me an honorary member by marriage and Missouri Meerschaum t-shirt around our community, and pipe smokers started approaching me to talk pipes. Then other women started asking me about pipes. It was the Missouri Meerschaum t-shirt. I loved it and became a pipe ambassador. Bottom line, the pipe community is warm and welcoming. I urge your male listeners to invite their wives and girlfriends to listen to you together. They'll discover a friendly, welcoming, pipe-smoking world and make a lot of new friends. As a side benefit, they'll even start to understand the hobby and hubby's collection. <laughs> What's not to like? Keep up the wonderful work you do. Your show entertains, enlightens, and in an increasingly divisive world, offers a pleasant visit to normal. It's like the Mayberry of the pipe world. I always enjoy listening, and I look forward to the new shows, Mrs. Spike. Well, Mrs. Spike, that just warmed the cockles of my soul. Um, I'm concerned, though, if it's Mayberry, does that make me Otis or Goober? I, I'm trying to figure out which one it is. I don't drink that much, so I guess I might be Goober. Um, I'd be Gomer, but I can't sing. So, But anyway, thank you very much. Yeah, it is a warm and welcoming group of people. And I've said it before, time and time, you know, you walk in, I walk into a pipe show and yeah, everybody's a friend and it doesn't matter what kind of pipe you smoke or 
in most cases, if you're the if you're the add if you're the plus one for the pipe smoker, and you don't smoke a pipe, we're fine with that too. You know, there's no uh, nobody's looking down each other's nose. All right. So uh, with that said, come on out to a pipe show. All right, rant time is coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Here's a new one for you. The city of Charlotte. Yeah, the, the big metropolitan up and coming city of Charlotte. So the city of Charlotte banned smoking from all their properties. One of their properties is the Spectrum Center. It's named after the Spectrum Cable Company because they dumped a shitload of money at them. Uh, but anyway, it used to be the Time Warner Cable Arena. Now it's the Spectrum Center. Anyway, this is where our NBA basketball team plays. This is where all the big concerts play. It's where our hockey team plays. It's where, you know, anything is. So last week, we went there for a Jeff Dunham performance. The, uh, you know, the ventriloquist comedian guy. Love him to death. Great show. Uh, but when we walked up, I had they had a new bag policy. You can't bring a bag bigger than 10 by 10 by 4 in. Well, my pipe bag, my small one, is 11 by whatever. So what did I do? I just stuck a pipe in, you know, stuck a pipe with my little bowl cap in it in my pocket of my jacket. Going through security, take out my phone, and everything. Anyway, they take my jacket, and they pat it down, and they ask, what's that hard thing? I told them it's my pipe. Oh, you can't bring that in here. We have a no tobacco policy inside the building. Let me tell you this. No tobacco products inside the building. Yeah, that's right. I didn't read the fine print. We hadn't been there in a couple of years. I don't can't remember the last time we've been there. Anyway, you cannot bring a tobacco product inside the dang building. And that's not dang is not the word I said, but uh, you cannot bring a tobacco product. No cigarettes, no vape stuff, no pipes, no chewing tobacco, no cigars inside the building, no lighters. So he looked at the trash can behind me and he said, you can throw it out there or you can take it back to your car. I uh, guess where I wanted to tell him to kiss my, uh, I didn't. Anyway, I am now on a letter writing jihad to the city of Charlotte, the county commissioners of Mecklenburg County, and everybody that is on the, the anybody that is part of the Spectrum Center, including the Charlotte Hornets, which I will never go to. And uh, you know what? I will never go back inside that place again. So you want to jump on that one and help me out? Fine. Uh, let the Spectrum Center of Charlotte know that you're not going there. They won't know where you live. Uh, and by the way, I've heard from several of you that have written letters to Disney. Thank you very much. I have written uh, four letters. I've sent uh, six emails. 
I'm getting different. I'm getting the standard. We've received your email response, but uh, you know what? We're going to keep it going and I'm going to build up this list. And this is the year of I'm pissed off and we're done with it. Uh, so sorry for the divisiveness of that, but uh, you know what? Dumbest thing ever. I had to go walk back to my car and put my pipe back and I couldn't even get my, you know, couldn't even hold my pipe with me while I was in there and in my pocket and then walk back to the car after the show and smoke my pipe. Anyway, uh, I'm done. Uh, thank you very much to uh, Jeremy. Thank you to uh, Mr. Murray Rose. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. The clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy are the leading asshole in the state.